Blog Talk Radio.
Good evening, folks, and welcome to another exhilarating hour of the Dr. C. Robert Jones Situation Report. So many things happening this week. You know, the Constitution is a charter of negative yeah. says what the states can't do to you, says what the federal government can't do right. to you, but it right. doesn't say what the federal government or the state government must do on your behalf. Uh, that's right. The reason why that's playing is because there is an article in Fox Nation, on Fox Nation, the website, uh, an article that says Obama is very interested in raising taxes through executive action. And we'll get to that in just a moment. But first, today's date, March 2nd, 2015, United States of America, planet Earth, third planet from the sun. I spent the last three days of CPAC at CPAC, and I had a great time. You know, CPAC is fast becoming the conservative Oscars, the conservative. <laughs> I tell you, you know, you know what I mean by that is that, you know, everyone who was any who is anyone in the conservative uh, spectrum was there. It was so much fun. I hobnobbed and I rubbed literally elbows with some of the top conservatives of the day. It was great. It was wonderful. I almost talked the one of the one of the event uh uh sponsors into allowing me to give a short speech. <laughs> When, when one of the uh when one of the guest speakers was running late but uh you know what I almost got away with it but uh the individual showed up you know just a couple of minutes later but I had the guy on the ropes he was going to let me get up and speak for just a couple of minutes but I couldn't I couldn't get it I couldn't I couldn't get it I couldn't get him you know to uh to acquiesce in time but I almost got away with that. Oh, and the, the second thing is, have have you guys been keeping up with the latest season of House of Cards? Oh, man, Frank is in trouble. Fra- Frank is in trouble this season as I've never seen him. And, of course, this is only season three. But, you know, he's president right now. And quite frankly, my friends, you know – I could be wrong, and I could be reading the whole thing wrong, but Frank seems more of a Republican in this season than he does a Democrat. Now, Frank's opponent is running uh, – Frank's primary opponent is a woman, and she is running as a Republican. But it's the things that Frank has done during the course of this season, and I'm only on – Episode six of season three, but it seems that Frank is is doing things that a Republican president would do. He wants to gut entitlements completely, Social Security, Medicaid, Medicare, all that, and he's telling Americans that you're entitled to nothing. And that the American dream is for you to go out and get for yourself. And what he has done in the season is take FEMA money, billions of dollars, 
and he's taken a few billion here and there against the wishes of the Republicans, and he's used it for jobs programs, and, and he's put like 50,000 folks to work using FEMA money uh, in Washington, D.C. Now, this is all, of course, fictional, but wow, if you're not a House of Cards um, watcher on Netflix, I highly recommend it. And go ahead and start with with season number one and work your way up to season. I'm I'm on the edge of my seat. I was just watching. I was just watching. You know, just a few minutes before before airtime. I tell you what. It's uh, you know, I don't know if he's gonna win. I, I mean, you know, he's the star. I mean, there can't be like a season four if he doesn't. I don't know, but it, it, it's rough going for him. He's, uh, you know, I don't know. But anyway, so let's get on. <laughs> let's get on with the show. All right. So, <laughs> all right. Obama has failed the black community and and the Jewish community all in one fell swoop. Now, of course. I talked to some of my uh, black friends, and I don't use the term uh, African-American or the title or whatever it's called, you know, because I joined the Marine Corps March 13th, 1979. My anniversary is coming up pretty soon. And when I joined the Corps at the tender age of 17, by forging my mother's signature on my enlistment uh, contract after she ran out the back door and down the alley as the recruiter was standing in our kitchen holding contract and pen. She decided that she didn't want her son to join the Corps, so she, she just made her exit out the back door and down the alley. Well, of course, I wanted to be a Marine, so I, without any hesitation, forged her signature right there in front of the recruiter. He didn't mind, and neither did I. And thus, history was born. But March 13, 1979, I joined the Corps. At that time, I was black. A few years later, I noticed this African-American deal being bandied about. And I paid no attention to it because as far as the Marine Corps was concerned, I was simply American, or if I chose to be, I was black. But I wasn't a black American. I was just an American or black. Yeah. So where this whole idea comes from that we're suddenly – suddenly it seemed to me that we became – that we that we we you know I I left the Marine Corps in in 2010 and and, and the next thing you know I'm I'm African American and I had no idea any, any of this was going on, but uh, you know we've gone from in the short 53 years of my existence on this planet, I have gone from being a a, a Negro to colored to black to African American all in the short span of 53 years we have trans we we have changed titles and i think it's absurd so i'm going to stick with the last one the one i held the the, the title that i held the longest besides being a, a red-blooded american i'm just going to go with black 
And more importantly, I'm going to go with I'm an American. I'm not a black American. I'm not a Hispanic American. My mom's Hispanic. I am not an African American. I'm just plain old American. And if you insist, you can say I'm a black man. What the hell? But do you re- but but so we're going to we're going to touch on both. Do you recall? Do you recall the euphoria that engulfed the African-American or black community back in 2008 when Barack Obama became the 44th president of the United States? Blacks came out for him in droves and voted for him at an astounding 96% level. Well, my friends, times, they are changing, so to speak. It was the dawning of a new era as a large dose of hope and change was on its way to the country as a whole, and specifically to the black community. Now, almost, what, seven years later, it's clear that Obama has done nothing to improve the way of life among blacks as a whole. In fact, statistics show that life has actually regressed for blacks under Obama. As of June of last year, the African-American or black unemployment rate is a staggering 14.4% with Latinos and Hispanics having an unemployment rate of about 11%, while the unemployment rate for whites is 7.4%. Compare these rates to December 2008, the final month before Barack Obama stepped into the Oval Office. Whites were unemployed at a rate of 6.6%, Hispanics at a rate of 9.2%, while blacks had an 11.9% rate of unemployment. Blacks have taken it on the chin to a greater degree than other demographic groups in the labor market during the Obama's economic disaster. But, my friends have said to me just a couple of days ago, one of them said that that she believes that Barack Obama will go down in history as one of our greatest presidents, that he has, above and beyond, advanced this country from the Bush years, and that he has done a lot given that the Republicans have thwarted him at every effort. Hmm. Yes, she believes that when it's all said and done, Barack Obama will go down as one of our greatest presidents. She is clearly drinking the Kool-Aid. And when I point out black unemployment and the unemployment rate and that Barack Obama has done little or nothing for the black community, well, she kind of skips over that and starts talking about Bush, you know, like they like they usually do. So, yeah, talk about identity crisis. You got to have one when you're uh, Mary Mary wrote in the chat room talk about identity crisis. Yeah, when you go from being a negro, which is what's on my birth certificate, and my dad is listed as negroid. Yes, there is a word negroid. He, on my birth, on my and on his, to being 
uh, uh, colored, because I was colored for a little while, and then I was black during the 60s and 70s, and then, yeah, and then African American. All in 53 years, folks. How, how? I mean, is that embarrassing or what? But nevertheless, my friends, black friends, are saying that Obama's a great president, and he's going to go down as one of the greatest presidents in history, and points out that President Bush was dumb. He was stupid. He didn't deserve the office of the presidency. And she went on further to say that Obama, that, that Bush wasn't qualified to be president, and he was dumb. I pointed out that, well, President Bush was a fighter pilot. He in the in the in in the Air National Guard, and he flew the F four Phantom. Now I flew the Phantom myself. I don't consider myself to be dumb. You've got to be pretty smart to be able to do that. I pointed out that he that one has to be pretty smart to be able to fly what was then the state of the art fighter. And uh, I then I went on to point out that he was a graduate of Yale and uh, held an MBA at Harvard. And she went on to point out that he had the C and Ds uh, at both of these schools. And, of course, I countered with, well, Cs and Ds at Yale and Harvard would be As and A-pluses at whatever school she attended. But... uh, Or or, or at any of your your local state colleges. So... I'll accept these, you know, um, I got a few myself at the United States Naval Academy in Annapolis and later at Georgetown, so I can't talk, but I'm, you know, but anyway, so I went on to point out that George was, you know, uh, and then he owned his own uh, company, Abusto, and the oil company, and then he went on to become governor for two terms, and the second largest state in the union, and then he was president for eight years. He can't be too stupid having that job. And as far as him being unqualified to be president, Barack Obama was a community organizer, a little-known state senator who spent very little time in the state house. and when he was there, he voted present. And then in the U.S. Senate, he spent very little time there and for the most part voted present nearly 50 – more than 50 percent of the time there. So him being – who was qualified? Well, we went on and on about that. But suffice to say that she is yet to speak to me again after that conversation. Anyone want to guess why? Yeah, yeah, she wasn't happy. She wasn't happy. And you know what they usually do? I don't know if your friends do this, your liberal friends, but – you know, she went on to say, you know, at the during the heat of the conversation when she was being countered at every turn with uh, those pesky facts, she said, well, you know what? We shouldn't talk politics. All you want to do is talk politics. And, and then she went on to talk more politics. <laughs> and I said, well, we, we can talk about anything you like. But uh, so it's curious to me. Why do blacks? Still stick by this guy when he doesn't do anything for the black community. And quite frankly, he shouldn't focus on any one ethnic group anyway. But he's being propped up for a reason. And what reason could that possibly be? 
could it be that they see themselves in Obama, that they're projecting that if Obama is a failure, they've tied themselves in the situation where they feel so much pride that a black man has finally ascended to the White House. Did you get what I did? Get what I did there? Black, white. He ascended to the White House. That whether he sucks all to be damned or not, they're not going to admit it. They're going to say just the opposite because his fate. Or their fate is tied to his because they put him on a pedestal and they're going to be loyal and stand by him no matter what because to say that the first black president in the history of the great nation of this great nation sucks all to be damned would be to say that they're also failures. So that's my take on that. According to a report released early this year by the Bipartisan Bipartisan Policy Center, African-American home ownership rates dropped to pre-1990 levels. Blacks own homes at a rate of 44.3% in 2010, less than two-thirds the rate at which whites own homes. The same rate inched higher to 45.1% in 2011, but whites own homes by the far greater rate of 73.7%, according to a report from the Liberal Center of American Progress. But under the Obama administration, black home ownership has dipped terribly. So quite frankly, as I've pointed out in many conversations, according to the data and statistics, blacks are far have been far more prosperous and well off under a white president, you know, one of those old white men, than they have been under a black president. Blacks have fared much better, of course, under Republican presidents than under Democrats. But even under a Democrat president, white as snow, lily white, I mean, step out into the sun on a on a on a on a on a sunny March day and get a sunburn white folk man blacks will do so much better under a white president be he a democrat or a republican than they have done under our so-called black president so <sighs> Yeah, we're going to take a short break. We're going to come right back, and then we're going to talk about this thing with uh, blacks, uh, with, with with Obama not uh, not feeling the love of the of the Jews, and why are Jews sticking by Obama? Why? What, what is it? Is it self hatred or or, or 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 what? All right, we'll be right back. You're listening to the C. Robert Jones Situation Report. Life of courage, 
Sit Rep with Doc Jones. He has a unique perspective. But, but, I happen to view the jobless numbers when they come out every Thursday at 8.30 on Fox News for Aaron Balance as a good thing. Is he crazy? When the jobless numbers come out and they're bad, I'm happy. I'm happy. I'm happy. Because that just gets President Obama that much closer to the door. And heading back to Chicago or wherever the hell he's from. You should be ashamed of yourself. You know what? I have no shame about it. I have no shame about it. None. None. The Situation Report with Dr. C. Robert Jones. Weekdays at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. Iraq launches operation to retake Turkey from the Islamic State. Lavrov and Kerry showdown in Geneva. An Israeli Prime Minister to deliver inappropriate speech to Congress. These are the true news headlines. I'm D.W. Balch. Backed by allied Shiite, Sunni, and Iranian fighters, Iraqi security forces launched a large-scale military operation to recapture Saddam Hussein's hold town from the Islamic State that's been controlled by the militants. Russian's Foreign Minister Sergei Lavrov and Secretary of State John Kerry are meeting in Geneva for their first time since Mr. Kerry directly expressed his opinion that Russia is lying about its involvement in the war in Ukraine. The brutal public assassination of an outspoken critic of the Russian government, Boris Nenstov, is likely to also be a talking point. Jack Perrick reports. The Minsk ceasefire agreement between Ukrainian government forces and pro-Russian rebels is believed to be fragile but holding. The United States is also pushing for a full and independent investigation into the murder of opposition frontman Boris Nemtsov, something Russian President Vladimir Putin says he will personally oversee. Iranian Foreign Minister Mohammad Javad Zarif is also in Geneva for negotiations with Mr. Kerry over Iran's nuclear program. The Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu delivering his controversial address to Congress is right around the corner. But his appearance has been criticized by the Obama administration as inappropriate. Kevin McAleese is in Washington. President Obama and other senior Democrats are expected to boycott Mr. Netanyahu's congressional appearance on Tuesday. The relationship between the Obama administration and Israel has sunk to a new low, with Mr. Netanyahu expected to lobby against a potential Iran nuclear deal while he's in the U.S., a move that U.S. National Security Advisor Susan Rice described as destructive. With a partial shutdown of the Homeland Security Department looming, House Speaker John Boehner wants negotiations with Democrats Democrats on a funding bill that rolls back Barack Obama's immigration policies. Senate Democrats are unwilling to even consider such a step. The Senate has scheduled a procedural vote, and Democrats are expected to block an attempt to establish negotiations with the House on that legislation. So let's see who gets painted as the bad guys in this. The United States and South Korea are set to launch their annual military exercise. Ahead of war games, North Korea has issued belligerent statements. Priscilla Huff has a preview. The Combined Forces Command notes that North Korea has been duly informed of the annual event, and Pyongyang has responded with its usual belligerent rhetoric, insisting the United States has chosen confrontation and North Korea will wage a merciless and sacred war. Furthermore, the regime of Kim Jong-un says the United States is seriously mistaken if it thinks its mainland is safe from a threatened nuclear weapons attack. For more news, views, and comments, go to truenews.com. That's T-R-U-N-E-W-S dot com. 
I'm D.W. Balch. Hello, and welcome to How Smart Is Your President? A game show testing the intelligence of President Barack Obama. And now, here's your host, G.C. Rock! Thank you, thank you. You are too kind, thank you. Hello, everybody, and welcome to How Smart Is Your President? A game show testing the intelligence of President Barack Obama. And of course, here's our guest, here's our player. Let's everybody welcome President Barack Hussein Obama. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the show. We want to thank you for hanging out with us. Welcome to How Smart Is Your President? Testing the Intelligence of President Barack Obama. Our player for today, of course, the President of the United States, Barack Hussein Obama. Now, we went over the rules backstage. The game is very simple. We're going to ask you a series of questions, and you hit the fancy fancy buzzer to answer the question. And we're going to start off right now. Question number one. How many states make up the United States of America? Uh, I've now been in 57 states. I think one left to go. Sorry, Mr. President. The answer to the question is 50. 50 states make up the United States of America. Next question. Name one European country. Compared to countries like Europe? Sorry, Mr. President. Europe is not a country. Sorry. (laughs) Uh, Next question. What is one of the treatments for asthma? A breathalyzer. Or an inhalator. Not a breathalyzer. Sorry, Mr. President. You meant to say inhaler. Inhaler was the answer that you were looking for. All right. Next question. Okay. As the President of the United States of America, recite for me... The First Amendment of the United States Constitution. uh, I I guess... Hold on a second. So, so, uh, so all I'm... uh, I'm sorry, wait, wait, wait. Don't, don't, don't start. Hold on. Sorry, Mr. President. Time's up. The First Amendment of the United States Constitution states as follows. Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof, or abridging the freedom of speech, or of the press, or the right of the people peaceably to assemble and to petition the government for a redress of grievances, something that you clearly know nothing about. Anyway, moving on, last and final question, Mr. President. Name the Mexican holiday in the month of May. The Cinco de Cuatro. Sorry, Mr. President, that was the wrong answer. You said four of five. The answer to the question is Cinco de Mayo, the 5th of May. That is the correct answer, and you are wrong again. 
Well, that's all the time that we have, folks. I want to thank you for listening. Thank you for tuning in. Catch us next time when we play How Smart Is Your President? Testing the Intelligence of President Barack Obama. I'm your host, G.C. Rock, and I'm out of here. Peace out, y'all. Welcome back, folks, to the Dr. C. Robert Jones Situation Report. All right, so, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. So, listen, I was uh, that was my, my good friend, uh, G-Ski, um, who uh, lives uh, here in Atlanta. Um, hopefully, he will, um, I believe he was on last Wednesday. But uh he's kind of on sporadically now. But uh wow, was that was that a great uh a great piece there? Did you did you like that? It's it's uh it's G Ski. Uh yeah, he, he did a great uh, a great piece there and, and that was like uh that was done maybe um maybe three three years ago and uh it's still great. It's still great to this day. Um so um, I was talking to my my, my friend, the one I was who, who was saying that George Bush was dumb, and she pointed out uh, uh, as a, as an example of George Bush's uh, stupidity that during um, while the nine eleven attacks were going on, that George Bush was sitting in front of a group of school children, and he was holding the book that he was reading from upside down. And to her, that was just one example of of George's uh, ig- being an ignoramus, even though he's a graduate from Yale and and Harvard, and was president for eight years. But hey, you know, he, you know, a lot of folks don't like him. So anyway, and then you know what? And then before we get into our our, our, our Jew segment, um, you know, and then after that. She had the nerve to say that uh, Obama was being disrespected because folks were calling him Barack or Obama instead of President Obama. And of course, I countered with, well, even we conservatives, Republicans, refer affection to 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 George Bush uh, as W. Affectionately so. It's not disrespectful. We call him W. Hell, it's what his mama called him. And a lot of folks refer to George Bush as Bush. I don't think it's disrespectful unless you're standing in front of the man and you call him Bush instead of Mr. President or President Bush. But, uh, there was a segment uh, on on a show called Empire, which is mad niggerish. I'm going to tell you right now, it is just way ghettoed out to the max. If you're going to watch that, you're going to get a deep look into straight up in the hood. But nevertheless, in the episode, uh, Terrence Howard's character is on the phone with the president of the United States, and he continues throughout the conversation to refer to the president not as Mr. President but as Barack as if they're like old drinking buddies and apparently there was some outrage in the black community because Obama was being referred to in in that 
in that episode as Barack. But now, they were questioning whether – blacks were questioning, according to her, whether they should continue to watch the series because they felt – they believed that the president was being disrespected. And were they blaming the character? No, 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 no. They weren't blaming the character. They weren't they weren't blaming Terrence Howard. They weren't blaming the character. They said he was just saying his lines. It was those white people. Those white people run the show. White people wrote the words. So it's their fault. They're the ones disrespecting the president, according to the young lady I spoke to. Now, was she really drinking the Kool-Aid or what? She was drinking hard. <laughs> and there was no no way to, to 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 bring her out of the darkness into the light she just wouldn't she just wouldn't come on out and then of course she trotted out that old tired line well you know you're not going to change my mind and i'm not going to change yours well of course you're not going to change my mind you have no facts nothing you're just race baiting and you know, you're standing by, you know, a, a guy who's basically, you know, not all that bright. But I understand you have a vested interest in playing him up. You know, he's the emperor with no clothes. He's the guy behind the cloak in The Wizard of Oz. He's the fraud. He's the forgery. And we all know it, but you've got to continue to tell the lie because now you're you, you're vested. You You have no – you can't go back now. And I understand that. So on election day, B- President Barack Obama got 89% support from black voters and 66% support from Jewish voters, the second, the second go-around. 66% su- su- Support from Jewish voters. The question is, why are African Americans and Jews voting against their own self-interest? When has it ever occurred, folks, that a sitting president has not greeted and showed proper and due respect to an Israeli prime minister? Has that ever happened in the history of Israeli American Diplomacy. Never. Not once. The president of the United States is pouting like the, like the little sissy that he is. He's crying foul. He doesn't like BB. He, he obviously has very little regard for Israel. And he's not going to attend. His, when does this ever happen? Can somebody email me at usmarine1 at hotmail.com? And point out a time where a president and members of Congress, Democrats, refuse to sit and listen to an Israeli prime minister. All because this particular Israeli prime minister refuses to allow his country to be placed in imminent danger. Does does anyone believe that if Iran acquires nuclear weapons capability, that they will not use those weapons on Israel? 
Israel knows this. They're attempting to protect themselves. And Obama, he's out on the golf course. He's chilling. He's having a great time. He's hobnobbing with Jay-Z and Beyonce and anybody else he, he can he can he can he can suck ass to and not doing his job. Israel and the Prime Minister, they're trying to they're trying to protect themselves. If Iran has stated that their their intention, that their goal, their reason for being, and you don't have to take my word for it, look it up. Their reason for being is to wipe Israel off the face of the earth. They cannot do it militarily because they'll wind up getting their asses kicked like everybody else does. So the only way to eliminate the state of Israel is through <laughs> nuclear weapons. They're seeking to acquire nuclear weapons capability so they can eliminate Israel off the face of the map and threaten their neighbors and in core of course the United States of America and Obama's like hey you know what I'm going to hit the links all this all this uh stuff going on in the world it's, it's hurting my head it's it's causing me to sweat a little I can't I can't do it I got to get out on the links I got to I got to play a few rounds of golf you see the problem here is that Obama well he wants to focus on fundamentally transforming the United States of America and all this other stuff going on around the world. That's kind of taking him off message. It's getting in the way. He doesn't want to have anything to do with all that stuff that's going on because that's sort of taking up his time from pretty much remaking the United States of America in his own utopian, Marxist, socialist, Leninist, uh, communist uh, agenda. It's messing with his agenda. He can't focus on destroying this country as we know it if he's got to deal with Israel, Iran, uh, ISIL, calling them the JV team, even though they've threatened to come to the White House, White House and chop his head clean off. So... What's going on? Why are Jews silent? You know, when Jews are threatened, even in the slightest way, even in the most oblique way, when Jews are threatened, they immediately go into attack mode. Asses will be kicked. They get ready for war. Here in the United States, or anywhere else. So then the question begs, why are they so silent now? Why are they so quiet? Why aren't they showing their economic and political... Why aren't they, why aren't they flexing some muscle here? Why are they so quiet? But let's get back to... No, no, no. I was going to... We, we've talked about the call in numbers three four seven eight eight four eighty five hundred. By the way, you know I, I'm having some trouble here. You know, <laughs> let's examine Obama's treatment of Jewish Americans. 
Let me repeat, or just just Jews, because we already know they're Americans, or just Jews in general. Now, let me repeat. Israel's right to exist is of paramount importance to American Jews. We we can all agree on that. The list is long of things Obama has said and done which indicate that he is no friend of Israel. Let's start with his nonstop supportive rhetoric toward Palestinians and Israel's other radical Muslim enemies to, to demanding that Israel withdraw the borders that would weaken her defenses, to threatening to withhold arms shipments to Israel unless Israel stops defending herself against terrorists shooting missiles into her residential neighborhoods, to fomenting the, quote, Arab Spring, end quote, so that Israel is now surrounded by radical extremist regimes dedicated to her destruction to politically publicly embarrassing Israel's leader, Benjamin Netanyahu. Obama's aides went so far as to recently call Netanyahu a coward and a chicken shit. Now, for those of you who don't know the history of Benjamin Netanyahu, he was a warrior in the Israeli Special Forces. A warrior with a long and distinguished heroic military record. To call a man like that a coward and a chicken shit is cowardly and chicken shit in itself. But that's the Obama administration for you. And then Obama is about to do the unthinkable into in a into a sham agreement that will allow Iran a nuclear weapon which puts the lives of several million Israeli Jews at risk for the foreseeable future. And Benjamin Netanyahu has stated publicly that he will never allow that to happen. And so Obama's all like, "Hey, you can't say stuff like that." His Do we need any more proof? Do we need further proof that President Barack Hussein Obama is at the very least a Muslim sympathizer? Can can we just agree on that? It's obviously obvious. Let that deed be on the hands of every Jewish voter who pulled the lever for Obama and his progressive cohorts. Why did Jews vote for Obama overwhelmingly, 66%, during the last election? He should have gotten, he should not have gotten a single Jewish vote. He is no friend of Israel. And you know what's going to happen? Hillary's going to announce in April, and she has been a defender of the Obama policy. She was his secretary of state. Let's see how well she fares with Jewish voters this go around.
because it's my understanding that Jews are all about protecting Jews and the state of Israel. But I don't know. Maybe I'm missing something. Have you guys heard anything? Have you all heard anything on the news? Who's standing up for Israel here in the United States? Besides conservatives, Republicans, who's standing up for the state of Israel besides conservatives here on U.S. soil? I don't see a single Jewish celebrity standing up for the state of Israel. There may be some out there, but I haven't heard of any lately. How many? Where are they? Where's Steven Spielberg on this issue? Where's some other prominent Jews, celebrities, and, and otherwise? Where where are they right now? Given given consider that Obama's true feelings toward Jews and Israel's can be summed up by his nomination of Loretta Lynch to the United States Attorney General to, for, for, for the post of United States Attorney General. As a law student, Lynch was active in a radical group at Harvard Law School that each month brought in to speak Jew-hating pro-terrorist radicals dedicated to the destruction of Israel. Obama has, will bring these folks into his cabinet. I mean, he surrounds himself with people who hate Jews. I mean, I'm not making this up. You can look this stuff up for yourself. But she's going to be the next attorney general. Now, should we fault her for what she did as a law student? Well, law students are generally in their 20s. Their views are formed. Given a platform to Jew haters like this tells you all you need to know about the mindset of Obama. A history like that should automatically disqualify anyone from ever getting near the U.S. Justice Department, let alone running it. Now, yeah, she'll be running the Justice Department for about 18 months before the Republican president, the incoming Republican president, puts her out on her ass. But that's still 18 months. Would you – who would choose a person like – with Loretta Lynch's background to run justice? With friends like Obama, Jews don't need enemies. By the way, if a white Republican conservative supported policies that hurt blacks or Jews that resulted in more than double black to white unemployment that allowed millions of competitors for jobs of black Americans or nominated someone to head the Justice Department with that kind of anti-Semitic background, what would blacks and Jews say to that? Folks, if someone hits and hurts you once, it might be a mistake. If they do it twice, perhaps it's a coincidence. But if they attack and hurt you repeatedly, it becomes clear it's a purposeful pattern, and you're the target. It's time to admit the other guy doesn't like you. So my message to black and Jewish Americans is simple. It's time to recognize that Obama 
isn't on your side. Yeah. Especially you black folks out there. Jewish folks, where are you? Where are you? Because I'm not hearing a damn thing. Jewish voters should be making Obama's, the rest of Obama's tenure, a living hell. Run his ass off onto the golf course and let him stay there. Well, that's all we have for the day, folks. I want to thank you for listening. You've been a great audience, as usual. Um, there's so many things that you could be doing, and you've taken the time to come listen to my show, and I do so appreciate you so much. Uh, please tune in tomorrow. We'll be back, and we'll have so much more to talk about with regard to these issues. And, of course, BB's given his speech, and we're going to talk about that, how he won't have a teleprompter to read from. He'll be standing in front of a joint session of Congress for those who will be there just with a small stack of three by five cards, and he probably won't look down at them too much, and he'll be speaking so eloquently just as he did the very last time. Tune in and see how a real intellect, a real man does it as opposed to our candy-ass president, Barack Hussein Obama. Good night, folks. God bless you, and God bless the United States of America. We're out. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. What do those words mean to you? To me, they say, thank you, America, for your strength, your courage, and for our freedom, which has been a beacon to the world for 200 years. Of the United States of America. Whose bright stars are 50 states, each bearing its own stamp of individuality. People, 200 million strong. People who have come to her from all corners of the earth. And to the republic for which it stands. A land of laws, an ingenious system of checks and balances that allows no man to become a tyrant and lets no group prevail if their power is not tempered with a real concern for the governed. A land where the right of dissent and free speech is jealously guarded. Where the ballot box is the sword and the people its wielder. One nation under God. A land where freedom of worship is a cornerstone of her being. A land graced with temples and churches. Synagogues and altars that rise in profusion to embrace all the religions of the world. Indivisible. A land forged by the hot steel of raw courage. Conformed forever by the awful crucible of civil war. With liberty. Where man in pursuit of an honest life will not be denied his chance. 
where her citizens move freely within her vast borders without hindrance or fear. A land brimming with opportunity, where freedom of choice is the guideline for all. The courts of our land are open to all. Its wheels of justice grind for all causes, all people. They look to every avenue for justice, every concern of the law, and they temper their reasoning with mercy for all. <laughs>